welcome to the Graceway Sermon Cast. Graceway is a Baptist church located in Lexington, Kentucky. We have a heart for God and a deep love for people. You can learn more about our church by visiting www.gracewaylex.org. Now, here's this week's message. Hello again, this is Pastor Derek, and I just wanted to jump in real quick before we get started on this week's installment of the Graceway Sermon Cast and give you as a listener kind of an update about what's going on in our season of transition in our ministry. Back in January, at the beginning of this year, uh, we decided as a church to begin joining in fellowship and holding uh, collaborative worship services with another church in our area, a church by the name of Living Hope Fellowship, where Chris Reber is the pastor. Uh, We have decided to do that through a season of transition within our ministry as we seek God's guidance for us in the next steps. And so over the course of that season, you're going to be hearing at times, Pastor Chris Reber will be bringing the message on our sermon cast, and then at other times you'll hear my voice along with some other guest speakers as well. Uh, So just wanted to let you know as a listener kind of what's going on. And so if you hear a different voice as you tune in, that's kind of what's going on. So I'm going to jump off of here and we'll get started with the message. Where do we get what we do and how we do it? You know, we, we have this wonderful book we call the Bible, the Word of God, which is interesting. We have to be a little careful with that concept because who is the Word of God? Did you know the Word of God is a who? Yeah, John 1.1. 1, 1. The beginning was the Word, Word was with God, Word was God. So the Word of God is actually part and parcel of who God is. Now, for some people, that's a real stretch and, and a difficulty because we know it got pinned by human hands, and how did that happen? And, and who decides what was in there and what's not? And how did that all come to be? And, and that wasn't from the beginning, was it? Or was it? <laughs> okay. How did, how did God choose to bring that to pass? We're going to talk about some of these things this morning, about what place the Bible holds among us who call ourselves Christians and why it's so important to us. So I want to I get into that with you this morning. Why we believe the Bible is the Word of God, and it's God's message for humanity. Last week, we were blessed by Pastor Derek bringing us the message on the person of God and how he represents us and how he has presented himself to us in three distinct persons, And then specifically how the Holy Spirit works among us and how he helps us in our daily life and walking with him and brings to our remembrance everything that Jesus said, which is recorded in the Word of God. And so we have to understand how all that works together. You know, this week we're going to focus in more on after knowing the Lord and knowing who he is, and having relationship with him through Jesus Christ, the Son, who paid the sacrifice to make it possible for us to know him. How do we walk with him? How do we get his insight on what life is supposed to be like? And how do we put that into daily practice? And what's that supposed to look like? And by the great wisdom of our God, he gave us a written document that helps us with that. Now, how did we come to be to have that? Some people struggle with that. You know, the scripture tells us something in, in uh, first, uh, 2 Timothy 3.16. Put that up there, Steve. 
All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God or woman of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. That's the purpose of it. So all Scripture, go back there for a second. All Scripture, we're going to be talking about what that really means. You know, in our documents, I thought Pastor Derek did a good job putting what they both out there say. Let me just kind of tell you what the two documents show for Graceway and Living Hope. Two fellowships functioning as one family right now. Graceway's documents say the Bible is God's divinely inspired word written by men as God moved upon their spirits. All scripture is a testimony to Christ who is himself the focus of divine revelation the Bible is holy, as is its author, and is therefore our final authority for life, faith, and practice. The New Hope has a document, too. And here's what we say in a, uh, about the Bible. All of the Bible is, in, is the inspired word of God, without error. It is God's word to us. It was written by human authors under the supernatural guidance of the Holy Spirit. It is the supreme source of truth for Christian beliefs and for living. Pretty similar, huh? Pretty similar. Same thing. Recognizing that we do have a document that we understand is the word of God for us in living. And so we have this first phrase right in this passage of Scripture, all Scripture. Well, who decides what all Scripture is? I mean, that's, that's the issue in the world, right? The world wants to tell you there's all kinds of Scriptures out there, and there's all kinds of viewpoints out there, and who are the Christians to say that theirs is the right one? Anybody ever heard any conversations like that? I mean, it's out there, right? And, and is it somehow the case that we would be so arrogant to say, well, it's ours because we say so? Or is there more sub substance to it than that? Well, I'm going to tell you there's a lot more substance to it than that. There's great foundation upon which we stand when we say we believe this is the Word of God in written form for the benefit of God's people. So we're going to talk a little bit about that that substance, that foundation. Did you know that there's a lot of documents out there, but claiming to be the message of God or a religious uh, scripture, this particular word of God that we have, not just a document, claims some things about itself. As a matter of fact, no other religious writing makes the audacious claims that the Bible makes of itself. The Bible makes the claim of itself that it is the Word of God. The other religious documents you're going to come across are going to be those that have been penned by great leaders within that denomination that started, claiming that this is what you need to be doing. And then it over time has become seen as their holy scriptures. But the Bible says of itself it's the Word of God. Right here is one place, another place is in Thessalonians. Go to that verse, chapter 2, verse 13. For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when we received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, 
but for what it really is, the Word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. Another place is in First Timothy, I mean First Peter, in chapter one and, and twenty, I think it's verse twenty twenty one. Did I put that up there? I meant to. See if you can find that. Uh, Second Peter, excuse me, not first. Second Peter, chapter one, verse twenty and twenty one. He can get it up there in a second. I'll go ahead and read it. Above all, you must understand that the prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. Let me back up. That no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That's pretty audacious, pretty clear. The Word of God, the Bible that we have, is Scripture presented to us as the Word of God. Did you know that there's great reason to uh, accept these claims? And we're going to get into that for a moment, but can I just get personal with you for just a second? Because we get to that place at some point to say, well, has it, is it really working in people's lives, you know? I mean, for many of us that have come to Christ through the message of the Word of God, though He existed, now this is going to shock you, though He existed before the fleshly written Word of God, okay? Jesus was around before the Bible was written in humanity, right? <laughs> so, so when we got a relationship with Him, those of us who have that, we then began reading this Word of God, the Bible, and it had some dramatic impacts on us. I mean, that's my experience. I think many of you are in the same place. And it began to have a formation on our life, began to mold us to be who we are. As a matter of fact, I would say that the Bible and the teaching of the Word of God, the Bible, has benefited every part of my life. In every part of my life that I've made application from, from knowledge from the Word of God, it has absolutely been a benefit to me. It's never been something that was of wasted time. Not once. Not once. Also, and I'm just giving you personal testimony. Also, I found out as I did study, I'm, I mean, I'm one of these guys that I need to know why. Anybody else like that? I'm sorry, you missed it with it. Come on, Brother Chris, have some faith. Well, I want to know why you think I need to have some faith. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, I, I just got to know why. I, mean, I get this guy that's teaching me how to paint cars. You know, I told you all about that about a year ago when I started painting this old car I got. And, and I went in there, and I made a deal with him on my day off. I went to work in his shop. I said, I'm going to give you some free labor and trade for you to teach me how to do this work. Is that okay? He was a friend of mine. He said, yeah, let's do that. It'll be fun. So while I'm there, I, I, the first day, I looked at him. I said, Walt i got to tell you something before we get started. He said, what's that? It'll save us a lot of time and a lot of confusion. What's that? I said, I'm one of these guys. i got to know why. So if you're going to tell me to do something, if you'll tell me why I'm doing it and what will mess up if I don't, it's going to help me a ton. Because <laughs> otherwise, I'm going to be chatting your ear off because I'm going to be asking you those questions. And, and that's true for me. That's just the way I'm wired. I want to know why. 
Well, the Bible being told to me as the Word of God and coming to Christ, I was in that same place. You know, I, was, I had this mindset before knowing Jesus, well, why is the Christian way the only way? So when I came to Christ and I started reading the Bible, I wanted to know, well, why should I be receiving this as the Word of God? Just because some people told me so? And so I started doing some research. This is years ago. I started checking out other, you know, the other documents that people, religious books. And then I started looking at the foundation of the Bible and how it came to be. And was it really impacting people's lives the way the claims were? And I, I found it to be true. As a matter of fact, I found out that there's more historical documentation for the validity and truth of the Bible than any other religious books. You will find thousands upon thousands of manuscripts substantiating the truth that we carry around today. I mean, I could go on. Some of y'all know that I've, I've done some of this stuff and heard some of the things. That I won't re preach them all today, but I want you to know that there are legs to stand on in the creation of the Word of God that we use today. And so we're going we're gonna to deal with some of that in a moment, but just from a historical perspective, go read about the Dead Sea Scrolls. Just read about documents that were written, you know, a couple thousand years ago that we still have that have consistency in translation over translation over translation over translation. In all other historical books, like let's just talk about the next closest one, I think some of y'all know is the Homer of, Homer of Iliad, I think it is, has like one-tenth of the resources <laughs> to validate the authenticity of the translations that came, that came, that came, that came. But with the Bible, it's like exponential. You know, the documents, they're there to support what's been handed down to us. But then some still struggle about how it came to be as it is. We're going to get to that in just a moment, historically speaking. Before we go there, I want to answer this other question. All Scripture. What is all Scripture? Who gets to decide that? God decides that. Why do I not believe the other groups who say their scripture is what's right? Why do I discount that? Well, because in that study of stuff I told you, that historical needing to know why thing, I come to find out some stuff that kind of knocked the props out from under those places. And so I was able to kind of discount those as a result. Let me give you just a few quick illustrations without trying to take too much time to do it. But, For example, Jehovah's Witnesses, they've been originally known as the Watchtower, you know, have a society that, you know, goes back to the 1870s. And in, in their organization of their compilation of the, the truth they say they have, their world translation, was written about 1961. It's one of the most modern. Not a lot of history there, really. <laughs> Written in 1961, that document. And, and as you look at some of the things that it claims and disclaims, one of the things, it doesn't have any foundation for a trinity, which becomes a crucial issue in your understanding of how to have a relationship with God. But anyway, I can go back and just look at some research documents and find so many holes in the presentation. I, I just do some more homework because I don't want to get into it. It takes too much time. Or how about the Baha'i and, and the Hindus' concept of what is considered 
all scripture. Almost anything goes there. I mean, someday we'll let, let Sweetie talk to you about all that. She's got a lot of history about understanding that. But in both of those organizations, you get to choose. You need a new God? Go get your rock and some ointment and pour it over there, and you can have one. And so that didn't make much sense to me. I mean, how, how can that be? How can everything go? And so I, I struggled with that. Or what about the Muslims who claim that their Quran is the word of God and the only way to have a knowledge of a relationship with God and that their scripture is holy? Why, why would we say that's not the case? And you can go to that document and find a lot of problems, really with the character of their God even, and what is considered okay among their prophets. And, and you begin to look at that stuff and you say, well, this doesn't make sense. And, and then you find out that that really didn't even come around until, you know, like I think, was it four or five hundreds, something like that? And, and, then, and, the, imp, and the, uh, the ability for that to be received was really a kind of a force feed situation. And, and so you begin to look at all that and you think, wow, this, this doesn't work. You know, this can't make sense to me. And, and so you say, well, that's your position, Brother Chris. Maybe other people have a different position. That's true. But ultimately, we have to have a basis for where we stand, don't we? We have to have a basis. Well, what about the Mormons where they, they say, you know, Joseph Smith came up with all this stuff, you know, found little bitty, you know, tiny gold tablets out in the field somewhere, and he just happened to have great inspiration to that. And, and uh, you know, he uh, put all this stuff together. <laughs> And then that became known as the word of God for people to follow. I could go into so many. Again, in most of these places, the Trinity is the problem for them. They can't really receive Jesus as God, as God in the flesh for us, and yet individually a person of his own. That's the way the Bible teaches it. And so they struggle with that, and they have a hard time coming to grips with that. Well, what I want to get into this morning at this point is to talk about why we as Christians accept the Bible as all Scripture. That's the part, all Scripture. And if you look at inspired, other translations, King James, no, King James keeps inspired. It's the English Standard Version. I like that translation there where it says, all Scripture is God-breathed. That's what that Greek word means, and inspired. It is God breathed. Have you ever considered that? That when you read the word of God, you're sitting down with the breath of God? That's kind of cool to think. <laughs> but that's what the scripture really means there. For a Christian, we hold that the Bible is God breathed and it is the word of God for us. And we hold that it's the Old Testament and the New Testament that, that that's what we see it as. So what is this old, how did, we, how did we claim that the Old Testament should be considered part of that and not just the New Testament? How did we get to that place? Well, there's some great reasons for that. The Old Testament is largely historically val validatable. <laughs> is that great? <laughs> Good words there. And as you go through it, except for the Pentateuch, I mean, the Pentateuch, first five of the Bible, uh, books of the Bible, here, here's where our faith is. We believe God spoke to Moses what would be the first part of that five books. Do you know from beyond that, we have some pretty clear documentation to chase it down to the authors. But on those first five books, we have the response of the scripture there for us that we receive that as God's word for us, as God revealed it to Moses. 
You might say, well, how did we as Christians come to that place? Jesus himself quoted Old Testament passages. As a matter of fact, in the New Testament, it's like 900 and some odd places, I think. Um, let me see if I got that in here somewhere. I can't see where it is right now. But Jesus himself 78 times quoted the Old Testament, referred to as Scripture. So break that down for a second. <laughs> we, we receive the Old Testament as the Word of God because Jesus Christ received the Old Testament as the Word of God. Our Savior, our Lord, that we ha hang all of our hope and life on, recognized the Old Testament as the Word of God. So that's where we get that from history in, in terms of the Christian foundation. And then we understand that as God has spoken through Jesus to us, we have so many examples in the Bible, where he's quoted that and made clear for uh, uh, that clear to us, in Luke chapter four, Jesus stands up and he reads out of the book of Isaiah, and then he says to the people, "This day, this prophecy, Isaiah sixty-one, is fulfilled in your sight." Essentially, saying to them. This is the truth of God's word in living color. <laughs> You're seeing it right now. That's why we as the children of God in Christianity look at the Old Testament with such great awareness that this is the word of God because Jesus Christ himself held to that. But let's go on a little bit further because really in the New Testament we have a place where we really have clear understanding this is the word of God for those of us as believers. But even there, you have a lot of people who struggle. Well, how did the New Testament come to pass? By the way, who decided what goes in that New Testament? Who decided what gets in these, how these 27 books become the ones that we say are the word of God? And how do we have strong foundation for that? Where does that come from? I want to give you a little bit of that to stand on this morning. Because in that same verse of Scripture, we talked about it being inspired. It's God-breathed. And how do we get to that place where we can trust that those 27 books are the ones that God wanted us to follow? So there was a guy named... Um, I just lost his name. I guess he's not important, but he made a key way to quote. That, that, that the Bible writers were either... An of the New Testament, we're either an apostle or an amanuentist. That's a, just a big word meaning kind of like a secretary. An apostle or an amanuentist, an apostle, or a, a writer for the apostle. And that that was kind of the foundational v uh, place for New Testament believers to, to understand whether this book could be considered as an authoritative document that God wanted us to consider as the Word of God. Now, let's go back for a second. Let's go back, say, before 360 A.D., 367, if you want to get real specific, okay? Before that time, did you know that we did not have a canonized New Testament? What did those guys follow? How did they hear the Word of God from the New Testament? What books were they quoting? They're quoting the same ones we do. But they didn't have it categorized the way we've got it categorized. Why do we today hold such confidence 
that this is the, what we ought to be following when they didn't have that back then. Well, we go back and we see where it came from. We go back and we see how God put it together. And we can see the miraculous way in which God put it together. Remember earlier I said, in the beginning was the Word, Word was with God, and we didn't have that plan for this, or did we? <laughs> the or did we was important. <laughs> he, we did, it's just that we didn't know it. <laughs> God had the plan, right? God had the plan. He knew what he was up to, and he brought it to pass the way he wanted to. So let's go back to that for just a second as we think about these books that we call the New Testament as being the, the books of authority for our life how we live in them. I want to give you kind of the, the uh, historical pattern of how that took place. So early on, we obviously have Christ living out on the earth, validating the Old Testament prophecies, thereby confirming that they indeed were the Word of God. He's in living color living it out. So early on, the New Testament people, followers of Christ, were able to then see, well, this was obviously God's Word. We've been getting told that by the rabbis for years, but now we see it in living color. It was obviously where. So they begin to have that confidence as early New Testament believers. But then, as you add to that, they're hearing the apostles begin to share those things that the Holy Spirit had put on their heart to account the life of Jesus. And we, so we get the Gospels, the four Gospels about that. Then we get Luke coming along, feeling led by the Holy Spirit to prepare a clear document for Begin with a T. I can't remember the guy's name for a moment. I want to say Theophanus, but I'm not sure. Yeah, that's pretty close. Yeah, Theophilus. A more accurate record. And so he has Luke and Acts. And so he's doing it his, you know, for Theophilus historically, but by the Holy Spirit for you and me. Putting that together. And as he puts that together, we have that document there. Then we get Paul's epistles that he's writing to the churches. You know, and he's sending those around and telling them how to follow God, being led by Holy Spirit, putting together Ephesians, Colossians, Galatians, you know, on and on we could go. Then we've got James. He's putting together what he felt God told him to put together. And, and how, how come it would be considered the Word of God? And how did that take place? And then you got Philemon and, you know, and all these things coming together. Here's what took place. You got this, here's the best trail we've got. You got this guy named John, an apostle, who disciples a man named Polycarp. Personal, one-on-one -on -one discipleship. Here's a guy walking with Jesus that is teaching a guy named Polycarp how to walk with Jesus through his personal relationship, and who then discipled a guy named Irenaeus. Polycarp's disciple, Irenaeus. Irenaeus, by 180, this is the earliest document that I know of, by 180, Irenaeus is saying, these are obviously the books that have been authored by God through human beings. And he begins to refer to the 27 books that we have as the New Testament. What was their foundational groundwork? Had to be somebody that was either walking with Jesus an apostle or an amanuensis of an apostle, a writer. In other words, they were writing down what the apostle said. And then over time, they began to see this lived out in the life of humanity as validating exactly what Jesus was doing when he was here. So then you get to this thing called bishopship. Anybody ever heard of that? Where there were bishops all over. What was a bishop? He was an elder. They would have elders of various areas. By the time you get to a guy named Athanasius, 
360s. He was known as the Bishop of Rome. He would write out on Easter, as the other bishops before him would, those things that they clearly knew God was affirming among the Christian body. And they would refer to, in that annual letter, those documents they believed was clearly those things God used to, to reveal to the world his will. And then by 80, uh, three, I mean 367, all 27 of those books are what's being referred to. And then there was a council not long after that where all the bishops came together and said, yeah, we indeed see that that's true. Those all have a connection to apostles. They all have a connection to the clear documentation of Jesus' life. They're obviously inspired of God. God breathed. We adopt these and recognize this is how God's put it together. And so it, by, 80, by 8367, you have that understanding of the spiritual leaders of the church affirming what are the documents that God had authored for us in humanity. Now, here's two ways of looking at that. One way is saying, oh, well, those guys decided what our Bible was. The other way is saying, God revealed himself to those guys <laughs> and affirmed his written word that he had given to humanity. From that day till now, no one in the Christian faith, well, there are some who would refer to an apocrypha, but it's not considered canonized in the same way. But no one in the Christian faith will acknowledge other Bibles and other books of that as being the Word of God. So this is how we, we come to have all this stuff together. Now, that's a little bit of history. I can tell and looking, it can get a little boring. <laughs> but here's where, here's where it's important for us. What really is your lamp for life? Here's where it gets important for us. How do you hear the direction of God for your life? You may say, well, okay, I have Jesus in my life, and the Holy Spirit speaks to me, and I just follow that. You know, I don't, I remember a guy years ago, I was in Ohio. <laughs> guy was a, he was actually at his church before coming to our church, the Sunday school superintendent. Some of y'all big church people know that's supposed to be a big position. And he made this comment one time about never have been many, having much time to be a man of prayer or reading his Bible. What? <laughs> How did he get where he got? What, what did he, well, but I just, I just listen to the Lord, do what the Lord tells me to do. Well, what, what if you're off base somewhere? How do you find out if you're off base somewhere? You know, this is why God's given us this lamp for life. That we would be able to, in our concept of being led by God, have a place to be able to confirm or affirm what we're hearing from God. Isn't God, isn't God smart? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he knows how messed up we can get. He knows how messed up we can get. And so he gives for us this guidance called the Bible to live out our life. And it's, it's provided for us that we might have something for which we can base everything on, you know. We have a clarity that, and then God uses Holy Spirit to confirm it for us, right? Now, where's all this going? Why does all this matter? Because you need a light? Because you live in a dark world that needs a light to shine on your path so that you could walk with God? 
and his great wisdom. He gave historically great foundational things to help you in your skepticism. I know you're not like that. But to help humanity in your skepticism, to show you how he's fulfilled what he's done over and over and over. We could go through all the stuff about the number of prophecies that are fulfilled, and it's just phenomenal. But in the providing of, God, of the word of God by God for us, he provided us a flashlight. And when we understand that it is God's word and buy in, what do I mean by that? It means it's authoritative for me. If, listen, if it's God's word, is it debatable? I mean, if it's God's word, is it actually what he wants for my life? I mean, let's, let's get real about what we say, right? You've got to understand, the word of God is not the pre presentation of, of great advice for you. <laughs> the word of God is the blueprint of life for you. Made very clear for us to be able to follow as led by the Holy Spirit. So as God gives us the word of God, what does it become for us? Jesus puts it this way as he reveals to us that the word of God is a lamp to our life, you know, a, a light for us to walk by. In John 17, 17, when he's praying for you, isn't that cool to think about? Jesus prayed for you, for all those who would come to believe by their witness. That's me, that's you. When he prayed for them, he said this to God. Sanctify them in the truth, God. And then he made clear for you what he thought about this. Your word is truth. Sanctify them in understanding your word. Sanctify them. Set them apart in knowing how important it is to walk according to your word. Or how about John 6, uh, 14, 6? When we see there in the word of God again, a crucial message to us. Where Jesus himself says, so that we don't have any ambiguity about it at all. I am the way. And the truth. Let me ask you something. Do you think Jesus chooses words carelessly? He does not choose words carelessly. In his prayer for us, in confirming the word of God as truth, in his statement here revealing to us that he himself is the truth, his synonym there is not by accident. <laughs> not at all. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Or how about in John 8, 32? Because this is where it kind of wraps up for us. And you will know the truth, which is what? Jesus himself, which is what? The word of God. And then what's going to happen for you? Truth will make you free. So here's what God's up to. In providing the word of God for us. And here's what's, that is to provide that lamp. And here's what's up, uh, what he's up to for us to get to the place that we truly believe it's the word of God. And that is to bring about our deliverance. God wants you and I to be able to walk in freedom in this life. Now, here's the mess. For the last, what, 70, 80 years? The world's telling you that you get to decide what freedom means. The world's telling you you can define your own freedom. 
The world's telling you that some of the things in the Word of God are kind of like God's suggestions, but you're free to make your own choice. You know, in some circles in Christianity, they're saying that. <laughs> well, yeah, those are God's suggestions, but His grace covers everything. He loves you, and it's okay. Just choose and do the best you can. No. That's not what God was providing. God was providing himself in his written word for you and I that we might walk in that truth so that we could be free. So we think freedom sometimes is what the world says freedom is, and it's not at all what freedom's about. What freedom is about is for you to be liberated from the condemnation of sin. So every time some issue's coming into your life that might not be in agreement with the Word of God, that's called sin, and it's destroying, even though you think there's a level of freedom for you in it because you get to make choices to do what you want. But in reality, it's killing like it always does. That's what sin does. And God instead is providing for us this light and this lamp and saying, if you'll walk according to this, this document that we understand as his word, that we've received as his word, if you walk according to this, you'll get set free. So let me illustrate it. This came to my mind. I think it's the Lord. Let me just illustrate it in a way that, because we like tangible understanding, right? Everybody in this room, adults, let's put it that way, every, every adult in this room has the stuff we carry around called cash. You know, money that we use. And we have this freedom that we believe we have to use that, right? Spend it any old way we want to. It's ours. We do what we want with it, right? And then somewhere along the line, the Bible says something to us about how we ought to steward that money and how we ought to allow and recognize that it's really God's. And, and then he even gives us advice and direction. Advice, you know, but more than advice. Direction on how to steward it. We're to be tithers, we're to be beyond tithers, we're to be generous, we're to be giving it away as God leads us to. We're to understand that nothing we own is really our own. But then we think we control this. It's in our hands. And somehow or another, the world begins to lie to us to say, hey, if you don't control some of that, you're not going to have any left for yourself. You better, you better just instead handle all that stuff as if it's really a piece of it goes back to God as you see fit when it really works well for you. And so we think that we've got that freedom to do that, and we think we're free. And what God's wanting to do is this thing in his word that he says that he wants to put you a place in your life that all that you have is his, so that it doesn't control you, and that he will pour into your life so much abundance that you cannot possibly contain it. Good measure, pressed down, running over out of your life, and that if you would be faithful in those things he places into your life, including those finances, he will bless you beyond you could possibly imagine. Now, why am I using that illustration? Because this morning I was writing a check. And as I was writing that check, I almost started crying. And I thought, Lord God, 
how is it that I'm at this place in my life that I could write a check like this? You don't need to know how much it was, none of your business. But <laughs> how is it that I can do that? Now, this is going to sound, for some people, they just, if you know my heart, you'll be okay with this. <laughs> and this was what I heard, because you're faithful to me. And then, and, then I, and then the other thing I just realized in my heart was, you know it's not just about the money, right? My blessings are all over the place when you walk in faithfulness to my word. Because the truth sets you free to experience what God really wants you to experience. Let me ask you something. As you look at the Bible as the authoritative word of God, God's direction for your life, are, is there somewhere in those directions as you just think about your relationship with God right now that you know, I know what he wants. He's kind of made it clear to me. I, I, I'm not doing that. I don't know if I really want to do that. You're in jail. I'm not saying you're in jail eternally in terms of separated from God, but I'm saying there's a measure of freedom you cannot enjoy in your life because you're not allowing his truth to set you free. When we can look at the word of God as authoritative for our daily life with him, and we say, God, here's what your word tells for me, especially I'm talking about in areas of character and submission to the spirit of God. A lot of places in the Bible about that. That's what we're talking about right now. When you get to those places in, in the Word of God and God's giving you direction for how to walk with Him, how to live with Him, how to handle your life, how to be responsible, how to live a certain way according to what His guidelines are for your life. When you get to those places in life and you choose to not see that as the absolute truth for your life and choose to follow it, to some degree you're in jail. You don't end up getting to experience the freedom he wants you to experience. But if you will accept the word of God as truth and make application and submission to the glory of his name, you're going to walk in a level of freedom that you can't get any other way. See, this is where God wants us to be with the word of God. This is not the book of suggestions for me. This is the book of direction for me. This is God's word, and I believe it, period. This is God's word, and that settles it whether you believe it or not. We've made a bad quote through the years. Uh, this is God's word, and I believe it, and that settles it. Listen, this is God's word, and that settles it whether you believe it or not. But if you want to reap the benefit of it, and you want to walk in freedom in your relationship with God, submit to the truth. Let his truth have his way in you. Listen, what's he say about it? I got to get done. There's so much in this stuff. Test me. He says, he puts it this way to you. Test me. Try me. Prove me. Now, that's just about the money stuff, but don't you know that's a principle? That's a principle. Some of you are afraid to share the gospel, even though you know God's told you to share the gospel. God would say to you, test me. Try me. Let's see what happens. John just gave us a good testimony of it, didn't he? 
how he will honor that and he will bless that and you'll be set free in that regard. I mean, go on and on and on. Whatever issue in life you might be struggling with and you understand what the word of God tells you about that and you receive it authoritatively, you will walk in freedom and life will be what God intended it to be. Let's pray. In a moment, we're going to have a, an invitation time. And what's that all about? It's God's invitation to you. Here's one of the things I think God's trying to do throughout the, the nations right now. He's going to do. I believe the, the altar ministry is getting restored right now across the country. We'll see if I'm right. Time will tell. What do I mean by that? I mean, people are, again, choosing to, to respond to what the Spirit of God is speaking to them on the spot <laughs> and not time dismissing it down the road. And that might happen here today. I don't know. But what I'm getting saying that for is this. If there's an area in your life that God's speaking to you and you need to deal with that, I invite you to come and deal with that. Talk to God about that. If you know there's a place that you need to just surrender to him as it relates to the truth of his word, then just come and pray about that. If you need to talk to somebody about that, that's why I stay up here, to be beneficial and helpful in that. If you need somebody to go to the altar and pray with you about a matter, just ask them. Hey, will you go pray with me about this? I need to deal with this. Or maybe you need to come and intercede for people. You know, let's just let God have his way to learn how to minister one to another and let his Holy Spirit be known. Let's let his word Thank you for listening today. At Graceway, our strongest desire is to glorify Christ by telling everyone about His grace. If you have questions or are in need of spiritual help, please reach out to us by visiting www.gracewaylex.org and click on the Contact Us section, or you can email us at gracewaylex at gmail.com. Our worship services are held each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. We'd love to worship with you this week. Until next time, take care and walk in the way of grace.